Everybody have a good week? Yeah? Good. I did too. Very, uh, it was an interesting week. So, hey, real quick, before I get started today's message, I want to, to take just a little bit of time, and I want to let you know how extremely pumped I am for next weekend. And so here's where we're at. I do know that we are full at Boyd, correct? Okay, so that's awesome. So if your Friday night's booked and you're like, Chad, I couldn't make Boyd, good deal. You don't need to come. So... We do have enough people serving there. But what we do need on Saturday is we need 11, at, least, at least 11 more people to say, you know what, I'm willing to give 45 minutes of my Saturday. And yes, if you have a football game on that you want to watch, guess what it has been invented for you? It's called a cell phone. There's an ESPN app that you can check your sports scores in as you do this. Hey, how are you? Go ahead. Alabama's winning. Awesome. All right, go ahead. <laughs> so there's 11 spots open, and we need them filled. And here's, here's my prayer over this whole weekend, because we have a, a pretty big weekend. For the longest time as a church, we have been, been walking out the vision and mission of, of Light Point Church, being a light in a dark, community, a dark and hurting world, and we've been doing that in a variety of ways. And so what we decided to do was we're going to take one weekend, uh, just this is the first of a... a don't worry, this isn't the only time, but we're going to take a weekend where we are going to be intentional about shining the light of Jesus into a dark and hurting world, also known as Miami Township, Milford, Miami Township. And so we have a lot of different things going on. And so here's my encouragement with you or my challenge to you is here's what I need you to do. Look, go take someone to coffee or better yet, go pick up a free coffee and drop them off to somebody you care about. Pretty simple, right? Big B right up here, around the corner, around here. Thank you. Um, I'll get it one day. Right up here. It's, and so here's the best thing about Big B Coffee. They're a Christian-owned company, or a, they're Christian, or they're, they're believers, followers of Jesus. Thank you. And so they have a franchise, and so we're partnering with them in this particular piece. One of the owners of it is also a school teacher here in McCormick, so we get an opportunity to not only bring them business, but also to, to bless somebody with a cup of coffee, right? So that. Here's the other thing I'm pretty, this is, this is awesome, because this is just not, um, this is just not a one-shot deal. So the Feed the Flock who does uh, a food pantry for junior high and senior high here in Milford. And their idea, their whole goal is how do we get meals into kids' hands over the weekend um, to help them make sure they have food to eat. And so what's cool about this is Jesus even said we need to take care of the poor. And so they're living this out. This past year, they had all the elementary schools dumped into their lap as well in Milford. And so they, they're sitting there like, okay, there's, there's, there's a void here. And so one of the things we are specifically doing with McCormick and then hopefully with Boyd but with McCormick is we're saying as a church we're going to buy them a cabinet that they can put in their administrative office, correct? And so they're going to put in their administrative office. Not only that, but we've also committed as a church to say, you know what, we're going to help make sure that thing is stocked. So kids every week, when they come down for the weekend, they can come and they can pick out food to put in their bag and take it home and have something to eat. 
And so the coolest thing out of this is we get to partner with school, the school, and, and then and this school, and then also doing a little bit with Boyd E. Smith. And this is just where we're beginning because the way we looked at it is we already have families planted in these two schools, so not, why not go where we're at in our community and walk alongside it? But this feed the flock thing, ready? Watch this. Do you know how many mac and cheese bowls you can fit in there? My challenge to you is to see how many you can fit in there. And don't be afraid if you're walking in and they're falling out. I'll pick them up personally. So there's other things too. It doesn't have to be mac and cheese. But let's see how many of these things we have. How many bags, Jacqueline? A hundred bags. So I believe in this church's generosity. You know why I believe in this church's generosity? Because y'all are flat out generous. I know this because from three years ago till now, y'all blow me away. So anyway, we're going to continue to be generous and stock feed the flock's pantry, right? There's something else I want to say too. This is something that Dale and I talked about this week. And this is what I want you to pray about. Next Sunday, we do an offering. Um, and, and so we do an offering every an opportunity to give back. And we thought, what better way to do that, to cap off our weekend than this? Anything given towards our offering, tithes and offering, will be donated to the neglected. And here's what I mean by that. Any gift or offering that's giving will be um, split up to help feed the flock, fund their pantry. We'll also go towards making sure this pantry stays uh, stocked and anything else we can do to help take care of it. So whatever y'all give next weekend is going to be directed towards that. Make sense? Okay. All right. Any questions? Y'all can ask me afterwards. All right. Here we go. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians, and we're going to go uh, Ephesians 6, uh, 5 to 9. Ephesians 6, 5 to 9. Has anybody ever had a, a horrible boss? Yeah? Has anybody ever had a horrible employee? If, you're, if someone works for you here, like with you in church today, don't raise your hand. <laughs> so um, today we're talking, see, one of the things we've been walking through is how we're designed for impact. How God has designed us, our makeup, how he has worked things, how he's designed things has been, ma- has been designed to make an, the ultimate impact into our world that we live in. And so we started off and we started talking about um, how, how as women God designed you in a certain way and we started there with the impact that we make in, in submitting and, and what we defined was is that I'm going to surrender my need to control my husband. And so we talked about that. The next week we got, we opened opened up God's word and we talked about how as men, how, how we love our wives and how we, how we go about loving them allows them to radiate and how that makes an impact into this world. And then we talked about our kids and how we as fathers as we raise our kids how that, that particular relationship and even as, as parents and how we encourage and we train and we guide and how important that is to make an impact for generations to come. And then, then the other thing, which was one of my favorite things, was what Julie and I got up here and talked about how when we have certain things in a marriage, how that particular marriage is designed to impact not only our home, but it can flow out and ripple out all over, this, all over our community. And so those particular pieces we've gotten to 
But one of the places that we haven't gotten to is probably one of the places for those of us that work or have a job outside the home. And even if you don't have a job outside the home and maybe you work at home and maybe you take care of kids, so you have a 24-hour job. And so whatever it is, is, is there's, you're designed for impact there as well. But in this, there's a particular piece that God challenges us to, that Scripture challenges us to in order to make the ultimate impact where we're at. And so here's some statistics that I want to throw out to you before I get started. Did you know that the average American uh, works uh, work week is 44 hours, and that's according to the Bureau of Labor? Now, here's what I know to be true. I don't buy that for a minute. Um, I know people in this church that work far more than 44 hours a week, and so let's just go with what they said here, right? So 44 hours a week. The other thing, so if you think about 44 hours a week, I'm I'm at a job. Um, To to be a healthy person, did you know that in order to be truly healthy and operate on all cylinders, you need at least seven to nine hours of sleep a night? Did y'all know this? Maybe why I'm unhealthy. Anyway, um... So, so think about that, seven to nine hours, so that's between 49 and 63 hours of sleep uh, um, a week. Here's the other thing. There are 168 hours in a week. So between sleeping and working, we're, we're right around, we have probably about 68 hours left, give or take, to actually uh, do what we actually want to do. I didn't even account for commute time here, so let's, you can add in what your commute time is, right? So that's what it is. So you have to think about a quarter or more of my week is spent where? In the workplace. A quarter or more of my life. Most of us could say, Chad, you're a little low on that. Go a little higher. So even more. It's a quarter to, to whatever is spent in the work. And so what are we doing to be intentional with that time. Well, we talked about how we need to be intentional with our spouses, with those that we're married to, those that we're in relationship with. We talked about how we need to be intentional with our children, but there's a piece here where we are spending a majority of our time or quite a bit of our time in the workplace, and so my question is, how are we doing and being intentional, making an impact for there? Because God designed it a certain way to be able to make an impact. Now, depending on your job situation and what you do, it could mean that you, you may not be as vocal or be able to carry out or share as much as you want about your faith, and that's okay. There are certain ways we can treat each other and treat those in our workplace to make an impact for Christ. Now, the theme that runs through all of this, for to, in order to make the ultimate impact in our world, the theme that's got to run through it all, whether it be our marriages, whether it be our kids, whether it be our relationship as a church, whether it be in the workplace, if we do not have Christ as the center of this piece, the impact doesn't mean anything. It's got to come from him. Our relationship with him has to be at the utmost, most important thing that we have in order for the true impact that God designed us for to happen. So we get into this piece of Ephesians 6, 5 to 9, and it says this. And so bear with me because you're going to say, well, Chad, this doesn't apply, and I'm going to share with you how it does. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. With a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. 
knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. And it says this, Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. So here's how this applies today. I don't know of anyone in here that is a bond slave to anybody. If you are, come talk to me and we'll talk about getting you free. But I don't, believe, I don't think that's here in, the, in this room today. What I do know is that there are a lot of us that work for somebody. We have a job where we go to and we have an employer who employs us. And so how we make this, this applicable to today is whether than the bond servant piece, no, that's an employee. When we talk about a master's, that's an employer. And so how do we make sense of this and how do we bring this to light? Well, first we need to know that in the day that this was written, Paul was specifically going at because slavery was rampant in this particular part of the uh, country or the world. Like slavery is well known, and so there was a, a coming to Jesus that was taking place where not only was the masters coming, those who owned slaves coming to know Jesus, but there was those that were owned by a master coming to know Jesus. And so you had two different types of people coming in, meeting Jesus, and having their lives changed. And so there was this, this piece that was going on in the church where there was a disconnect, where the bond served, those that were, were slaves were, were starting to um, cause some problems. And then because they were causing some problems and stepping out of line and, and not having the right attitude, you had the masters who were tightening down on them because they had to keep them, and let's just put it this way as, as plain as we can, they had to keep them in check. And so there was this disconnect, and Paul goes, no, that's not how we treat one another. And here's what I know about today's work environment. Um, I, I've had the joy of working for some amazing bosses, and I've had some joy of working for not-so-amazing bosses. And so one of the things that I know about this is that um, those that I have served under or that I have worked with that, that come at it from a God's perspective and a, a, a loving perspective or a, a they-care-about-me perspective, they get far more productivity out of me than those that don't. And so when we look at this particular piece today, I want us to check this before we get any further and we start looking at what we're talking about here today. You have a choice every day how you want to tackle that day. Fair? You have a choice of the attitude you want to take on when your day starts. From the minute you get out of bed and your feet hit the floor, you have a choice to make. And the choice that you have to have to make is not whether um, is not how your boss is going to treat you or how your employee is going to act. That's not your choice. Your choice is this: What is my attitude going to be like today? Will I go into this workday with a good attitude or not? Will I go into this workday with the po a positive attitude, looking for opportunities to make an impact? Those are our choices. And see, that you could sit here all day and say, Chad, but you don't know my boss. You're right, I don't know your boss. But I know what it's like to work for a tyrant. I know what it's like to walk into a place day after day, fearing that I'm going to lose my job. 
I know what it's like to walk into a job day after day, having that gut thing of why am I here? God, why do you have me here for this season? What is going on? I know what that's like to have somebody that you sit there and think, that person does not care about me. They only care about themselves and how they make themselves look great. Y'all hear me? Y'all had guys like this, women like this in your, so I know what this is like. And so I also know the struggle that happens within this piece. I also know what it's like when you struggle with this and you're like, you know what, I'd rather be anywhere but here. I would rather be somewhere else than here, but for some reason, God has not allowed me to move on. He still has me here today. And so it came down to this, and I could complain, I can get upset, I could vent to my wife, I could vent to my friends, I could vent to my guys that I do life with, I could do all these things to help me feel better, because let's just be honest, when we talk and we tear someone else down who's tearing us down, we get a little bit, and here's the truth that we don't really want to recognize, it helps us feel better for about a second, Right? We feel better for about a couple seconds. And then we got to, oh, I got to go into work. But you don't have to. You just stay at home. And you take that cover and just pull it up over your head. And stay there. But if you want to eat and you want to pay your mortgage and you want to provide for your family, guess what you got to do? Get up. Got to go. Sometimes you got to walk into places that you really don't want to be. And here's our choice. Here's the choice that we have. What's the attitude I'm going to take into this job today? Because if I'm completely honest in this particular piece, this is what sets us apart from being in, making an impact in our world versus bringing other people down. We have an opportunity to lift people up or we have an opportunity to tear people down. Any college football fans here? Sweet. All right, here we go. So anybody watched the Georgia-Notre Dame game last night? No? Okay, I did. I stayed up way too late, and it was ridiculous. But one of the reasons why I watched it, there's a quarterback uh, that plays for Georgia, and and I thought about this. There's a quarterback that plays for Georgia. This is his third year, and they did one of those interviews on him. And one of the things they talked about with him was his leadership, what he brought to the team. Now, I am not a Georgia fan by any means, but I like, I like hearing about good leadership, guys that are stepping up, women that are stepping up, doing something. And they interviewed a lot of his teammates over and over again. And the one thing they said is that this dude comes in ready to work with a positive attitude every day. He is a guy that lifts them up and not brings them down. He is a guy that encourages. He's a guy that if you saw him on the, if you watched the game last night, if you saw him on the sidelines, he was constantly going in the moments when the tight game was tight, he was going down encouraging his players over and over and over again, getting them built up. See, this is the attitude that we need as Christ followers. Because see, here's the thing. This is not about us. This isn't about us. When we walk into our place of employment, and, and, and let me just say this, if you're a stay-at-home parent, and you're, you're one that says, you know what, I am, I am blessed enough to be able to stay at home and, and help raise my kids and be intentional there. 
you have the same opportunity in that place. So please don't look at this as, Chad, you're just talking to people who go to work. No. I know what my wife does. And there's no way in God's green earth I want to do it. Because my kids would die. She's a saint. I get to go and listen to people complain. She's got to listen to the same three people complain all day. Anyway, so in all of this, there's this piece of it that we have an opportunity on how we want to approach it. And here's what I mean by this. Or here, let's jump into this. Ephesians 6, verses 1. When I look at my job and when I look at everything that, that goes on, I have every opportunity, every opportunity I get is a chance to be a witness for Christ. And it says this, verses 5 and 6. Bond servants, obey your earthly master with fear and trembling and with a sincere heart. Now here's the kicker. As you would Christ. Notice we talked about this as you would Christ or as uh, in Christ. We've been talking about this particular statement. It's been running throughout Ephesians as we look at this particular passages over the past few weeks. I don't go to work and do what I do for myself. I don't even go to work and do what I do to get a paycheck. I go to work and I do what I do in order to honor Christ. Because I belong to him. I don't go in and do the best job that I can in order to get something in return. My attitude switches. And the attitude switch comes in, I am doing this for Jesus and Jesus alone. And watch how that transforms how you get out of bed and how you walk through the doors week after week, day after day. And it's not a matter of, for me, it's a matter of doing this with him because of who Jesus is. Now it goes on, it says this. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers. Y'all know who I'm talking about here? Y'all ever see people pleasers? They act a certain way to someone's face, and the minute they go out, what do they do? They tear them down, they gossip, they sit there and they complain about them. They're people pleasers. They do everything they can in front of their boss. And yet when their boss walks away, they start slacking. One of the things I'm working on with Chad, Chad's swimming now, and I love this. That boy's rocking the pool. Um, and it's so cool. One of the things I'm working on Chad with is finishing strong. And what I mean by what it, what that means is this is there's a time when he can stop and cut up short and kind of walk out of the pool to go talk to because the coach is calling him out, or he can actually finish the last two strokes and get to the, the end of the pool. When we finish strong, even when no one's working, we do two more strokes to get to the wall. I think some of us need to work on finishing strong. We need to work on how you know what when no one's looking, I'm going to go to the wall. I'm going to finish this the way because I, I'm doing it because of Jesus. And so we go on and he says this, but as bondservants of Christ, and again, you can circle this, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from where? The heart. 
the heart. This is where it starts. And so here's what I know. To make an impact at my job, I need to be mindful of my attitude towards my boss. See, my boss is not the one that, that, that can dictate my attitude. Why would I give them the power to do that? Why would I allow them to have that much power in my life to change the way I see the day, to change the way I approach it, to change what I want to accomplish? See, in this passage we just read, it's not about my boss. It's not about my master. It is about Christ and doing things because of Jesus and doing things from the heart because of who Jesus is. If you're a student here today, it applies to you as well. Think about that homework that you don't want to do, that paper you don't want to write, that, that piece you don't want to take on. What happens if you start actually approaching your academics in a way that honored Christ rather than this? Ready? Parents are going to get mad at me. Rather than to please your parents or to get an A. What if, what if your approach in life was no longer about this, this particular piece of, of authority, but it was about the one who is the authority? How much does that change what you do and how you do it? When my attitude, when my attitude about my boss needs to change. The other thing too is this, and, and uh, the next verse is this. Uh, to make an impact at my job, I need to be mindful of my attitude toward my job or toward my work. In verses 7 and 8, it reads this, rendering service, in other words, what you do, rendering service with a good will, and here it is, ready, as to the, notice it doesn't say as to your earthly master or your boss, as to the Lord. Some of us, we, we have clients, and, and as much as we hate to think of it as those clients become our boss, because what happens is if we lose those clients, we lose our income. And so they become who we need to serve. But I no longer care about, no, not care, but I no longer have to focus in on making sure I please them or just all about them, but it becomes about what I do for Jesus. And when it's about Jesus, my attitude towards that changes. And it says this, with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. See, our reward, ultimate reward, comes from God. It comes from our relationship, comes from the witness that we have because of who we belong to. One of the things that, uh, the statement I once heard, and I thought this was pretty impactful for me, is this. A job is not who I be, it's what I do. So many times we get caught up in this. Our job becomes our identity. Therefore, the, my job becomes who I be and not what I do. And the reality of it is my job is what I do, not who I be. Who I be is based off of who Jesus is and what he says about it. Jocelyn and the team just sang the song, I am a child of God. See, when we look at ourselves in that light, it changes our attitude and the way we approach things. It should change the way we approach things. One of the things I love about our church is how um, amazing you guys are at serving. Um, 
when I walked through, I, I actually walked in late. I pulled my car around. I walked in, and as I walked in, here's what I saw. I saw people smiling. I saw people with a good attitude. I didn't see anybody grumpy, angry. There was a good attitude. We had, Julie and I had uh, lunch with a, some new folks a couple weeks ago, and literally like five times during this lunch, the wife said, I can't get over, or the way how friendly your church is, Chad, is amazing to me. See, your attitude and what you do in serving is amazing. It impacts. It draws people in. Our attitude and what we do and how we do it is so, and so when we do it for Jesus and for no other reasons, it changes things. Colossians 3, 23 says this, and you can just listen to it real quick. It says this, whatever you do, work harder, harder, heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. My, how do I need to change my attitude towards my job? Lastly, if you are blessed enough to lead other people or have influence on other people, which we all do, whether you are um, at work or whether you're at home, we, there's a lot of us that have more influence than what we think. And so we get to this passage, and the, the last verse here, and we get to this passage uh, of, of Ephesians 6, 9, it says this, Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Now, I thought about this for a minute, and I thought, you know what? To make an impact at my job, I need to be mindful of my attitude towards those that I lead. And I'm blessed enough to have an amazing staff here at LightPoint, um, some amazing people that help make things happen, amazing volunteers and leaders, and it's quite awesome. And what I know is that a lot of times, um, one of the things as you lead people and as you, you do this is a lot of times you can get caught up in whether things are getting done. Anybody here just love to get things done? Jocelyn, you can raise your hand. It's okay. <laughs> right, see, Jacqueline, see, God surrounded me with two people that love to get things done. Me, I just want to talk and shoot the breeze, and it drives them nuts. So... The, the thing about this is this, is when our attitude and how we lead, and it can become very, very interesting, even in the tension that exists between people. See, I, I can see something, and what, what I'm trying to help our staff see is that I'm okay with mistakes. I'm okay if, if something doesn't go the way we want it to go. Like if, if something doesn't happen the way we wanted it or whatever, you know what? That's okay. We can learn from it. I don't have to beat you up and I don't have to chastise you and I don't have to sit there and just talk through it. Okay, what are we going to do different? And what happens is, is their motivation to, to even step up and do more has been quite interesting in that. It's about how we approach things. See, it would be very easy for me to pull out my Marine Corps days. It would be. And I, I'll be quite honest, sometimes when things don't go the way that I want them to go, that starts creeping up a little bit. And But by the grace of God and because I love Jesus and he changed my life, that doesn't come out. But I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you and say it's not there. See, as I lead people, as I lead our staff, as I lead our church, one of the things that I have to realize is that it's not about me. 
It's about Jesus. And how I lead and how I do things and how I conduct myself has to point people to Jesus, not me. It's got to go back to him. And so my attitude towards those that I lead has to reflect the same attitude of what Jesus had. And so if you have an opportunity to lead people, how's your attitude towards them? What do you need to tweak? What do you need to do to be a true witness and make a true impact in their lives? The way you do that decide, determines whether that ripple effect is a positive or a negative one. One of the things that's so common in church, and I heard this the other day, and, and this, is, this is the tension that we, that we wrestle with. There's a common theme in church world and even business world that says, you know what, we have to do things with excellence. And if we're not doing it in an excellent way, we shouldn't do it. And just let me be very clear on this. I believe that our God does deserve excellence. But here's what I also believe, is that when we put excellence up here, that sometimes we miss out because people get it confused with perfection. And so here's what I tell our staff all the time. I don't, excellence is great, but you want to know what I really care about is what was your effort? Did you give the best effort possible in what you're doing? Did you put forth the best possible effort in what you were asked to do or what you took on? If you can sit back and say, you know what? I did not put forth the best effort in this, then I guarantee you excellence will never happen. But if you come up and say, you know what? I did the best I could with what I was given and what I had, then I guarantee you this, it honors God and it glorifies him and that's all that matters. And so our, our, our measuring stick is this. What kind of effort did you put in? I do this with my messages on a Sunday afternoon. Side note, I changed my workout schedule, and it's been great. So on Sunday afternoons, I go and work out, and I go and exhaust myself. It's quite awesome. But what I do is I actually reflect about what I talk to you people about, you wonderful people about. And so in this particular piece, I get to see where I drop the ball. And here's what I, I preach the message again. And I look about all the things I missed and didn't tell you. It's quite sad. <laughs> but in those particular pieces, it's awesome because I get a time to reflect and challenge myself and all of these things and how you can, how you can make things better and how, what, the, what was my effort like. Did I truly give my best effort? So here's what I would ask you to do is, what's your attitude like towards, you lead, towards those you lead? Here's the other thing I would, I would bring in this is this. You know how last week we talked about as kids, one of the things we do is we exasperate them or we provoke them. And I think sometimes when we are employers or people who lead others, here's my question. How good, how, how good of a job do we do at setting clear expectations for those that we lead? In other words, if, if we're leading somebody and they come up to us and say, here's what I think you want me to do, my question, and, so, and then you're sitting there like, well, that isn't even in the same ballpark of what I'm wanting you to do. Maybe the problem is not them. Maybe as an employer, you need to be clear with your expectations. Maybe also... You need to make sure that you revisit it periodically to make sure you're on the same page. 
See, my attitude towards those that I lead totally changes when we're on the same page. It allows us to glorify God because we're doing things in a right way that lifts people up, not tears them down. Colossians 3.17 says this. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whether we are employed or we are an employer, whether we work for somebody or we lead somebody, whether we, whatever we do, whatever we do in word or deed, do we do it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ? Because if we want to make an impact in this world and the world that we live, if it's not in the name of Jesus, it means nothing. We will fall short every time, and the impact will be short-lived. And so the question I have today is what attitude do I need to change in my life and who do I need to start doing things for? Do I need to tweak that a little bit? 2 Corinthians, I want to close with this. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says this. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion Christ. Do you know that our thoughts have the potential to knock us off track of what God wants us to do? We can get deceived by our thoughts in a heartbeat, and we can be led to believe something about somebody else that's not true. And just like the serpent deceived Eve, and sent this whole sin thing that we now experience a lot of into motion. The same thing happens with our thoughts. Our attitude is driven by what's up here. Our attitude is driven by the thoughts that we have. And Scripture says we need to take hold captive our thoughts. We need to control those thoughts. We need to dictate how we think and what we say. That's the piece we have to hold on to. And how we do that and what we do with that will determine the impact that we have where we go for majority of our day. And so my question is this. What's your attitude like? What's your attitude like towards your boss? Do you hate them? Or her? When you look at him, do you or her, do you get upset? Do you celebrate when they go on vacation? <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> when they leave, on, they're like, oh, I'm taking a two-week vacation. The whole team just celebrates. Yeah. If that's, maybe there's something going on here. Maybe you have an opportunity to be a witness for Jesus by leading up, by your attitude, by how you treat them. Better yet, by how you do your job. How you do your job should not be dictated by them. You can give all you have for Jesus regardless of who they are. If, you, if your job, if you go into your job and you get out of bed every morning and you're like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore, can I encourage you with something? What are you doing now to prepare for the job that you want? 
What are you doing now to prepare for the job that you want? Because here's what I promise you. If you sit there and say, I'm doing nothing, I'm just praying that something will land in my lap, I promise you, more times than not, you'll be in that same place praying that same prayer years from now. See, with prayer, we've got to start participating in the process of what God wants. If I want something different, I've got to start working towards it. So what do we need to do in that? And lastly, if we lead, how do I need to change the attitude towards those that I lead? In all of this, it starts with our prayers. How do we go to Jesus asking him to change our attitude, asking him to change our hearts, asking him to work in our own lives? So that because of that reason, we can start changing the way and the way we feel about those around us and the way that we uh, do our th- the, what we need to do. But when, he starts, when we start praying for those that we can't stand or for those that bother us or whatever, God starts to change our hearts, he starts to change our attitudes. When we start looking at how do I do things for Jesus and him alone, it starts changing the way I do things. So again, what attitude do I need changed today? Let's pray. Father God, we love you and praise you. And we thank you for your goodness and your kindness to us. Lord, we thank you for how amazing you are, Lord. That, um, Lord, you don't want us to be deceived. You don't want us to believe a lie. You don't want us to be caught up in anything else. So, Lord, I pray, Father, that um, and through this, Lord, as we look at how you have designed us for impact, how you have designed us, uh, Father, to... To, be, to do something more, to, to, to have this peace to where we shine your light into our world, Lord, whether it be in our homes, in our marriages, with our kids, in our jobs, and with our church family, Lord, that in all of this, Lord, we would realize that you have designed us for a specific way. And Lord, I pray, Father, for our attitudes to be changed, that out of everything we would be serving and we would be doing and we would be doing it all for you and you alone. We'd stop worrying about all this side clutter and side noise and just realize that you're the one that loves us. And because of that, because of what you did in our lives, we can live our life day in and day out with an attitude that glorifies you. So, Lord, change our hearts. Change our minds. So that we can have an impact in your world and the world that you have us in. Give us the strength and courage to make the changes we need to make. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple ways to respond today. The communion table is open, and so if, if you feel the need to go and take communion as Jocelyn and the team sings, feel free to get up and go and take communion. Remember what Jesus has done for you and that relationship. Um, the Another way is, is through giving through tithes and offerings. And, and so if God has blessed you in any way here at LightPoint, we believe that God has blessed us. And as a response to that, we give a portion of that, a tithe, a tenth, back to him uh, to honor him and obedience to him. Uh, but you give what God lays on your heart and whatever that means for you, uh, you have an opportunity to give and respond in that way. Lastly, uh, the, not lastly, the another one is the prayer team. Uh, for Joyce and Phil will be over here if you need prayer. In any way, come over here and get prayed over. Um, they'll be there. Uh, so we can stand and sing. Um.
and just pour out a praise to God for how good he is and just asking him what kind of impact does he want us to make in our world today. You respond how God leads.